Hey everyone, welcome to another fun-filled episode, actually our 50th episode of Career Retrospectives right here on the Superview Show. I am joined by my two incredible friends and co-hosts, Kyle and Mike, what's going on guys? Uh, apparently it's the midlife crisis episode. <laughs> oh god, uh, yeah, what, clearly. What have we walked into? What have you guys walked into? I, I'm <laughs> not sure what to tell you there, but... <laughs> Um, no, as the title of this podcast for our 50th one. So last week we spun the wheel uh, for one of our last choices that we did on the wheel. And this one landed on, on my pick and it was Billy Joel's The River of Dreams uh, from 1993. Now, it obviously was his last record. For those who don't know, this was his last record that he did um, ever. His, I mean, he did a classical albums record in 2001, 2000-ish, it was just instrumental piano pieces that came out. But this is his his most recent to date set of uh, his most recent like work of pop or pop rock music or just rock music in general um, from basically his career standpoint. It was 30 years ago in 1993, he put out his last album, which The River Dreams. Um, I have many different connections to this record. Uh, I've gone back and I mean, I've been a lifelong Joel fan my whole life. And outside of like loving other things like Metallica and other things like, you know, Van Halen, I, I've always had a soft spot for Joel. If, for whatever reason, the piano man always just stuck out to me. But this record in particular, it was being that it was his last one, for some reason had some sort of extra weight to it. I actually do have, and I, I have it just next to me for good keeping right now, a vinyl pressing literally next to me as we're recording. A 1993 vinyl <laughs> pressing of this record. I know that sounds crazy. That's ridiculous. I know, but it's crazy. I, I, I'll show it on camera towards the end. But yeah, that's that's just, just something to show you right there. Um, big fan of Joel. I have all of his albums on vinyl. Big, big Billy Joel fan. Um, but this album to me has always been one of the, lyrically speaking, so, and I can touch on more stuff, I feel like, as this conversation progresses about, about this record. But I'm very curious to hear what my Kyle and Mike have to say about this one too. But I'm but I'm really excited to talk about it. So I don't know about you guys, but let's go into let's go into Kyle for a second. Kyle, what do you got? Yeah, believe it or not, this is the first full length album I've listened to from Billy Joel. I've always been a big fan of like the singles and the hits. Uh, just never been an artist that I've gravitated towards listening to full albums for. Um, you know, I have for years i've had the cd or the essential billy joel like that two disc thing yeah. that they put out and you know that was great um but that's always where i've stood with with him was the singles and uh i'll just say right now this album surprised me quite a bit um uh, ups downs i'll get into that specifically but uh i enjoyed this significantly more than i thought i would for a whole album all right cool cool and mike what do you what do you got yeah, I actually am kind of coming from the same school of like the best of, and I feel like the best of is kind of like spoiled the, you know, a lot of the, um, you know, when you hear a song you've heard off of the best of, you're just like, oh, like it's cool to hear it for the first time within a CD, special or an album, such, especially if it changes, if it's like a change of pace in the album uh, where it sits and, um, the kind of elements it brings. And I feel like, um, yeah, like I'm that kind of guy with uh, most artists that I don't get super in depth with. And uh, Billy Joel is definitely one of those. Um, so, yeah, coming into this, I was definitely blind to the full album experience. And yeah, I I, um, I definitely I was surprised as well. Like, um, you know, 
you know, like I said, I'll get into that more often with, uh, you know, I found uh, really interesting uh, the major influences that I heard from other artists that drew from this album Uh, being that final album. I think a lot of people probably spent a lot of time listening to this as kind of like that, like it's a sweet, it's a bittersweet uh, album because it's, you know, the final album. So a lot of people, um, I'm sure a lot of other artists um, would uh, listen to this again and again, kind of like that idea of like, maybe if I listen to it enough, he'll, he'll eventually release an album and I'll stay he'll come back. Yeah. I just, I'll, I'll just send some positive uh, you know, vibes his way or whatever. But um, yeah, I'll, it'll be, it'll be uh, fun to go over um, it by song by song and kind of give my uh, interpretation of everything. And yeah. Yeah, cool. And I, I just as they mentioned, it was his last album that came out, like we said, 30 years ago now at this point. Well, let's we've shared our initial interactions and went on our initial thoughts. Let's jump over to the track listing and stuff like that, too. And it says um, uh, I'll, for those who are listening to us, we're on the Wikipedia page. We're just going to talk about that, too. Um, and yeah, so let's go into the track listing for a second, shall we? Um, all the all the songs were written and composed by the man himself, Billy Joel. Uh, and there's only 10 songs on the record, and it goes like this. It goes, No Man's Land, The Great Wall of China, uh, Blonde Over Blue, A Minor Variation, Shades of Grey, All About Soul, uh, Lullaby, Goodnight, My Angel, The River Dreams title track, and 2,000 Years. And then his last song on his last record, Famous Last Words. Wait, Jason, uh, so you're saying this wasn't written by a team of six people and Billy Joel was not just involved in three songs? Yeah, I'm done. Okay, you know, there was uh, like, who, who are you attacking here, Mike? No, no, no. I was <laughs> no, just surprised. I, I'm not used to seeing all songs are written and composed by one name. I'm just not used to that. So I have to reset my brain back to, you know, it's like a the, the, the little bowling thing comes down and clears the pins out, you know? I'm just oh, trying to reset man. myself. That's all. No attack on any specific country artist that we've recently listened to. Completely unrelated. All right. Maroon <laughs> 5 story. What? <laughs> uh, look, Brian, wait, what are we talking about? Look, look Brian. <laughs> Is it just dab on camera? Oh <laughs> I did. I dabbed on camera. Right it's okay. Now. I do it too. It's 2023. <laughs> it's 2023. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but like, uh, uh, do you want me to go first for this one? Yes, sir. Yep. All right. You got it. So um, there were four singles that got released from this record. And um, the four singles that got released are the ones highlighted in blue. No doubt. No Man's Land, All About Soul, Lullaby, and The River of Dreams. Without going too much into detail on it, because I want to just I want to I want to hear your guys' opinion too. Um, to me, this album has a, a deeper narrative throughout it more than most people saw initially. Like it starts off to me, the overall arc is that the first song, No Man's Land, is like a man who's like it opens up with like a lot of guitar. He's very angry. He's enraged, and then it goes into like you know kind of like an f you. You know I can't believe you do that, and I'll explain all that in a little bit. But it's like the first couple tracks are him being like, I'm angry. I'm upset. And like the first half really is that like that whole arc of like going from angry at something or someone, it could be anything. I mean, I really don't know the whole gist of it. It could be the record business. It could be someone who screwed him over. I really don't know. But it was like the opening of it was like, I have no faith in humanity. I'm so angry. I'm so rageful. And then towards the, you get to the second side of it after shades of gray, it's like the all about soul side of it comes into it. And it's like, my faith is coming back and without being religious or anything or anything like that. It's just like, he's 
regaining his humanity again and humanity with lullaby, uh, excuse me, with all that soul. Like she comes away from me in silence and all that stuff. Uh, lullaby is about his daughter. Uh, the River Dreams title track is actually about like a gospel-y type of like title track. And it has, um, it's got like these gospel elements to it. And yet it was the mm. biggest hit on the charts. It was like number three on the Hot 100 in 1994. Hard to believe, but it was. In the midst of grunge, in the midst of Nirvana and Pearl Jam, Billy Dole had a huge like chart hit. You know what I mean? Um, I could talk about like all these songs in depth for like the next 20 minutes, truthfully. But I do want to get your guys' opinion of them in a minute. And I, but I will say my standout tracks to me are probably I mean, it's so hard to pick for, for me. Personally, it's hard to pick up like a standout track. I mean, Mike's gonna like Mike's gonna like completely just jump at me when I said, but the title oh, wait, track wait. is a favorite. Well, guess, of mine. Yep, title track. <laughs> yeah, title track. <laughs> well, You're a title track fan. I feel like on this album, that song is one of the most like played radio songs. Like when it came to like the the um kind of like the classic i wouldn't say classic rock but more like i, I would say it definitely got play on the oldies uh uh um radio station back in the day when i was growing up like uh you know you heard it on there a lot it, it has an oldies feel to it and yeah. it is one of those songs that's just the most recognizable songs on the entire album if not like um yeah. of his entire um you know obvious like obviously besides his you know super hits it's one of those songs that a lot of people knew um you know from yeah, his I mean, career so day, yeah back in the day it was like a huge in the 90s it was like a huge like hot 100 like charting hit it gave mm, right record momentum if you will um but for me like if i had to go to my standout tracks so early on in this conversation because like it's just it's so hard to pick i would say though all about soul for me stands out for whatever reason. Like just the, lyrically, he really came into a form with that one, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, Two thousand years, believe it or not, because it, it, this was came out in ninety three. He was very, he was very hopeful when he wrote that song. He was very like, all right, we're, we're, we're getting closer to the end of the record, the writing process. It's getting closer to the year two thousand. I mean, mm. I, I want to look forward to the future. I'm excited for like, he, he was really like saying like, I can't wait for like the arts to rule and how everything's going to be great in the new millennium or whatever. And then he'll say this too. It's like nine 11 happened mm. and he was very de- destroyed after that for a while. He was in depression for a long time. And, whatnot. and then famous last words, he just, he's, you listen to the words, like literally he's saying goodbye. So, but I mean, like I said, I'm going off, forgive me, but it's like, mm. For me, all about soul, and um, I actually I heard a minor variation live from him at a concert. It was a live debut of it uh, back in 2018, so that was a big one for me. But I would say, like, no, uh, the standout tracks for me. I'm going off. Forgive me. The standout tracks for me are, I would say, all about soul, the river dreams, uh, two thousand years, and um, actually, for whatever reason, also most notably, two thousand years is technically the time that jesus walked on earth two thousand years ago is like you know that's the official time stamp you a lot you hear a lot of artists say two thousand years two thousand years is the official so i don't i don't know if it's like a ref you know because the song has tons of like angels and prophets and talking about like right, right, right. uh i'm still with you two thousand years like it's kind it has a you know like you said it has a very uh gospel slash um religious kind of uh a weird know. vibe yeah yeah well easy with a weird word word but we slap you through the, the... <laughs> <laughs> i've been hit i've been hit through a camera what 
Uh, no, but like, honestly, to me, this it's hard to for me. This is a really hard one to depict a favorite song outside of like a title track, like River Dreams and All About Soul. But for whatever reason, those this album to me has it's so cohesive. It's so like from start to finish, it tells a, a narrative of like someone like how like they're beat down the beaten path and how they come back from it. To me, that's just so like. I'm not going to name who this person is, but one of my friends went through a breakup, I think in 2021. And I said to her, I said, I know what you're going through right now. Cause you know, she got really hurt by this person. And I said, I hate to do this to you, but listen to Billy Joel's the river dreams because it tells a narrative of how you can get out of it. If you listen to the words very carefully and listen to how the music was made, it tells you how to, it, 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 to me it did. And I wanted to see if, and she didn't, she's like, that's that actually, that helped me out. I mean, that's, that's it's not for everyone. It's that, that, that wouldn't work for everyone, but for me and the, my, my friend, it did. So I just, I, that's the power of music and what albums can do full albums. That is so, um, but yeah, I I've shared enough of my time. I'm very curious to see what Kyle has to say. Ah, all right. Well, we have actually very different standout tracks. Okay. Uh, so I'll just start by saying I slightly disagree in terms of it being a cohesive album in okay. a way, only because of a couple tracks in the beginning. Mm. So this, particularly in the beginning, it kind of feels like each song was lifted from a different album. Like the sounds of the first few songs are so vastly different from each other that when I was listening to it, yeah, I'll just go song by song and I'll explain then. No Man's Land, super, super surprised for me on this one. Uh, straight 10 out of 10 song. I love the lyrics, you know, about like, to me, it's like commercialization of things. And I think it's still relevant, if not more relevant, 30 years later now. Uh, the lead guitar on this part was incredible. Very well done. Really gives me Springsteen meets like U2 type vibes here, which generally i'm not the biggest fan of either of those two acts especially springsteen but yeah. it takes the good aspects of those artists and kind of merges them in a way i really like uh it explores a harder rock style kind of more like modern for the time hard rock that was a pleasant surprise not really used to that from billy joel i'm not sure how much that's incorporated on his previous works like i said i only know the big hits and usually those weren't the more hard rock style hits from them so then we got into Great Wall of China, which was still good. It's like an eight out of 10 for me. I like that the verse has this cool like funk vibe going. And I like I really like the slap bass incorporation here. Uh, the chorus kind of brings it down a bit for me. It's a little bit more standard pop rock. I was hoping it did a little bit more. Also, I just want to point out that the bridge of this song, I don't know which one came first. But the bridge of this song is exactly the song Wannabe by the Spice Girls. Oh my God. Go back and listen to them side by side. It's the exact same thing. Uh, that's I have to go sure back and listen to that. First, but highly recommend it. Uh, and then we get to the very low point on the album for me the next two tracks. Mm -hmm. Now, this is what I was talking about where everything sounds non cohesive for the first half of this record. No Man's Land is like hard rock. Then you get into like a more funk type sound that goes into like pop rock with Great Wall of China. Then you get to Blonde Over Blue, which this is a five out of 10 for me. It's not good. It's not bad. Not much happens at all. 
uh, this one takes more inspiration from like 60s or 70s rather than the more modern takes on the first two tracks. Yeah. It's too long. Really not much happens. This also, one of my notes that I wrote down for this one, it sounds, something about the vocals and the lyrics on it, sound like Stewie Griffin from Family Guy doing a <laughs> Billy Joel parody. <laughs> you know, like those episodes where they do, where they do like the musical number and it's a, he pretends to be another artist. That's exactly what this reminded me of. <laughs> oh my um, God. But it's not bad. It's just, a, it's a track that if it was on, I wouldn't turn it off. Very department story song. Then we get to the low, low point for me. A minor variation. I really didn't like this one. This one, again, totally different sound. This one, even outside that 60s, 70s inspiration from the track before, goes into kind of a bluesy, almost kind of like Motown-inspired sound. It didn't hold my attention. And honestly, I started skipping it at subsequent listens of the record. Really didn't jive with this one. Four out of ten. And it picks up a little bit more when you get to Shades of Grey. Back to that more rock sound. The guitar tone on this one actually reminds me a lot of Scorpions. Mm. Specifically that tone, specifically the rhythm guitar. Uh, the bass is great on the track. Really, the one thing that brings down the most is like that the ba-ba-ba's that he does in there. Drives me nuts. Uh, <laughs> nice song. Nothing too special, though. 7 out of 10. And then it starts to really pick up again, even more all about soul. Nine out of 10. Only thing that brings it down is I wish that the chorus was a little more powerful. I was expecting, when it got to the chorus, I was expecting more of like a soaring kind of anthemic chorus. I didn't really get that. So it brought it down a little bit. It's a very nice, like, uh, kind of like very nice, like love song type thing. Love the lyrics on it. But then we get to by far the highlight for me. This is an 11. I loved this song. This is what you expect. Hmm. Album. Like this is like a quintessential Billy Joel sound. When you think Billy Joel, this is the sound you think of. Hmm. The piano in it is beautiful. Uh, The vocals on it, incredible. The lyrics, very heartfelt. And I like the light orchestration behind it. It's not overdone. It's like used perfectly lightly in the background. Honestly, this is one of my favorite Billy Joel tracks. It in general, absolutely incredible. Actually, gave me goosebumps toward the end. By far, best track on the record. Gotta go to an eleven on this one. And then we take a nosedive. Oh no! <laughs> what? This is the only song I knew on this record going into it. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's not bad. I'll say that it's just not my cup of tea. Like it's well executed. It's a cool idea, and I respect it. It's just not for me. It has like that jungle tribal type vibe. Yeah. Again, it's well executed. Lyrically, it's very good. It's just not for me. I remember this song being on like the contemporary oldies radio oh, back when I was a kid. Again, not bad. It's just not my thing. 2000 years. We got eight out of 10 here. Another classic Billy Joel sound. Doesn't hit anywhere near the highs of Lullaby, though. Um, it's very, it's lyrically good. I like that it kind of discusses like hopes for the like future generations. That's what I got out of it. Uh, don't think we lived up to those hopes at all. 
<laughs> the moving sound it, certain transitions in it do sound a bit off to me and that's what brings it down but then we get to the closer on here famous last words we got another nine out of ten uh very fitting for a closing track not only for an album but for being the final like real studio track that he did uh really kind of has that autobiographical moment on the record that just ties everything together not just the record but his whole career really good bookend to that it could have been pushed to a 10 if it had like another bridge or another movement to the song it stayed very much the same throughout which i understand the reasoning for it but one more like even just short little bridge or some variation in there could have pushed it up to a 10 out of 10 but incredible song uh nine out of ten on it really good bookend for it and i really want to point out one thing i love about this record is the production every instrument stands out it's Mm -hmm. this is kind of what we talked about um i guess months ago now when we talked about the afi record where nothing was muddied there was no instrument that was buried in the mix under another instrument you could hear the guitar the bass piano drums vocals clearly on every song there was no song where I was like, oh, I got to struggle to hear the bass line going on. It was always there. Mm. And it, it was just very well done and clean. So that's that's my track by track. You know, standouts, obviously, Lullaby, uh, Famous Last Words, and No Man's Land are my big three from here. All righty, all righty, all righty. All right, all right, all right. All right, man, Kyle, uh, besides a couple areas, it's amazing how in sync we are i feel like something like yeah. the end of the world is coming like i feel oh like my we, God, should, they got it right. we should be afraid of this because well this we had luke here. bryan to set to offset that yeah way. yeah there's been <laughs> we've had some dark dark uh days so but i mean the light is here yeah so i mean kyle's definitely on point although i would disagree uh with um uh blonde over blue being like 70s or uh 60s i definitely feel like that's more of a like Roy Orbison feeling like uh 50s yeah I can even go back that far for talking yeah yeah. but I mean you're you're in the neighborhood um so yeah starting I was thinking more 60s and anything but yeah I could go back to 50s on that definitely has that oh yeah sound Billy has said on record that that actually was the influence for that song was Roy Roy Orbison you know that right oh yeah I love Roy Orbison but uh, yeah and that's and it's funny um that it is not one of my like tracks so oh uh you know yeah i know i'm i'm in sync with kyle this is so freaking weird but you know river <laughs> river of dreams yeah no i can't believe it i uh we're on the river of dreams right now because something's happening all right um so yeah river of dreams starts off really strong of an album the first two songs um are you know um both no man's land the great wall china strong pop power tunes nice groove nice beat great memorable chorus although um, you know, I agree with Kyle. Yeah, the, the U2, uh, like, I feel like U2 definitely borrowed from this song for their Vertigo song. Uh, reminds me so much of that, of that song. Um, and what was the other song you said, Kyle? Uh, I said Springsteen. Okay, yeah, I can, I can see where you're coming from. Um, mm-hmm. But man, 10 out of 10. Absolutely, like, shocked that I never heard this song before. No, dude, um, same. When I turned this on, I was like blown away. Yeah, and I was just like, whoa, like, this sounds so classic. It sounds so like something I should have heard. And it just goes to show you that, like, just because you listen to a best of doesn't doesn't mean that the best of is going to fit within your parameters. And I, I feel like in a lot of ways, the more I realize that 
the world we live in is crazy and the people around us are like you know completely like just following in a path that someone else is just setting for them uh, the more it makes me want to listen to full albums like this and draw my own love from the music rather than have them tell me what i should love so um you know kind of approaching that i came into this album with like oh i'm probably going to only like the river of dream song because it's the one i know but um i was like whoa like this song is like it's a it's definitely a good start like and i love when an album starts good like that um you know and then all although great wall of china has become to that song uh, a little less memorable in the course kyle nailed it on the head i was like it's a fun beat got the i love the bass i love the, some of the orchestral stuff going on in the background um you start to see some cool choir parts picking up and um backing up the main vocals like it, especially in that shades of gray song you know you have that uh, choir of uh voices singing in it um which you know kind of reinforces what jt was kind of saying you get that choir feel like you know some positive like um maybe um religious or like uh you know kind of hopeful vibe and then you know and some of the second half and then you have like the more like just you know pissed off like i the the lyrics to no man's land are right up my alley a lot of my oh, own yeah. personal yeah just my own personal writing has touched in this area of like that we have just pretty much like created this uh like a terrible kind of uh environment for ourselves with all of the commercialization and um just dumping and uh um, creating just uh one big just uh, enterprise out of the planet that we live on and um yeah it really i mean it just uh struck a note um for me um yeah so eight out of ten for the uh great wall of china 10 out of 10 for the no man's land and then we kind of move so into far we are just one point so far we are spot on this is crazy and uh like, we move into the exact rating dude it's i know and that's why i was like what in the what is going on like someone on plug the plan and plug it back in but anyway um uh then we move on to two of my least favorite songs on the album blonde over blue and uh minor variation um kind of a definitely lower for me in the album i'm um, not terrible songs better than many other artists have written but like when i'm flying high and i get brought down the, the down is harder than it would have been if you started with those and then kind of moved into some highs i might not be mm-hmm. You're like, keep me high. And then it's like, you know, so you're like, um, it feels worse. Yeah. Or it feels worse than it actually is. I think, Um, but this album is kind of dishing you off many different. And that's something I've always appreciated about Billy Joel is that he, he doesn't want to be pigeonholed in a certain kind of sound. Like he's given you this pop powered rock rock song. He's given you this bluesy kind of stuff with like um, variation and uh, um, a variation and like uh, the 50s stuff with with uh, um, Blonde Over Blue and like um, the feeling you get on uh, River of Dreams has like a little bit of a of a old oldies kind of feel to it as well um, uh, with the doo-wop singers in the background you know like repeating the in the river of the nut you know you got that kind of stuff like it rem- reminds me of like the doo-wop um, Motown kind of stuff going on uh, so, but then, you know, yeah, you got these two songs, you know, a little bit, um, you know, just, a, you know, yeah, just not feeling the the chorus, not feeling what's going on in the song. There's not much going on in the song. I kind of agree with Kyle there. And then um, you get to Shades of Grey, which Mike, is kind of funny. Mike, I'm just curious, what were your ratings for? Oh, six, two? both sixes. Oh, okay. So I was still lower than Damn. Yeah, you were a little harder on them. I was kind of like appreciating that they, that this like, 
what they give to us. And like, I do agree with you in the sense of like the cohesive nature. Like it feels like somebody out there, it feels like someone who made an album who's like, Hey, check this out. I can hit many different styles with one album and I'm going to go out on a, on a note that's going to make you not try and pigeonhole me into uh, sounding the same, like check this out. And I got appreciate that. And he did it well enough to blend his style in without just going, yeah, let me sound like someone else. Like, um, you definitely get that feeling of like the police with uh mm-hmm. freaking um uh um uh, what was uh yeah staying with uh what was the song it was um which song was it I think it was Shades of Grey uh no no not Shades of Grey it was um uh, uh all about soul I believe no no all about soul not I got to talk about that one um uh that's the one I, I want to talk about first before I go back into that um all about soul should be renamed the one song the killers completely based their entire career off of seriously <laughs> if, if, if you if you could literally if you told me the killers wrote this i would have been like i wouldn't have batted an eye i'd have been like yeah absolutely it's their song no 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 they literally must have worshipped this song i mean absolutely freaking worship this song they really have like it, uh, that it's like it's so uncanny that i just can't even like can't even wrap my mind around it um yeah i was so blown away and it, it's actually uh one of uh those songs in the album i really love um it was an eight out of ten for me uh and i was gonna go higher on it but i was just like it kind of just sat in this place for me that just like uh made me feel good and just kind of kept a consistency it didn't hit super high but it just stayed, stayed consistent from the whole thing the the chorus was was uh, awesome the the music was uh you know just had that great kind of just uh feeling to it um and like you said it kind of takes a hopeful turn here uh not to go backward but shades of gray that song is actually really cool in that it feels like uh set like it feels like a 70s like sticks rock kind of like uh scorpions yeah like it's got the (laughs) harmonized guitars on it which kind of come out and like really make you feel a little more heavy metal and it's got the lyrics about war and the enemy lines and this and that, which remind me of like something from like, you know, like, yeah, like the, the seventies kind of um, prog rock days, but it just, uh, it just has so many, this album hits on so many different elements. Like I said, like you're getting a little bit of everything on this album. And uh, he's just kind of like saying, Hey, I can do this, check it out, but I'm going to keep my own soul in it. Uh-huh. Uh, all about soul. But um, yeah, like, uh, yeah. So uh, shades of gray was, uh at a 10 for me as well so we're hitting like a lot of similar notes here um so then we get to lullaby and i actually at first didn't love this track i didn't hate it but i also wasn't like like floored by it it took a little time for me i listened to it and like i was hoping it would take some turns vocally that it i wanted it to and it kind of just hovered along and i but i liked it and i was like okay i'm gonna come back and uh you know and then i hit river of dreams which is like a you know it's a it's a nine out of ten for me uh it's always been one of those songs that i've uh enjoyed listening to um you know and just enjoyed uh that it's just kind of one of the songs that um that has a lot of elements going on and it never you never really get bored with it um but yeah then i kept coming back to lullaby and i actually it's a slow burn it was like i really uh enjoyed it 
and I and I was kind of at like a, a seven, but then I came up to an eight and stayed at an eight and was like, yeah, like it, it's got uh, got just a sweet quality to it that just um, really brings the pace of this album and keeps it, uh, you know, cooling down when it needs to cool down and then picking up where it needs to pick up. Um, then 2000 years, actually, I really enjoyed the song, the elements of like the Irish kind of song elements, which you get like, you know, with the piano man kind of um, sound that from the past kind of returning um and you know i just really think and the vocal the vocals on this absolutely incredible absolutely incredible like it was just like you really get to see uh all the aspects of billy joel on um on display here um and uh then you know just kind of came down to the end uh with um sorry i'm getting lost here um yeah, 2000, uh, 2000 years and then Famous Last Words. Famous Last Words was actually a really cool, upbeat song. Kind of reminded me of ELO in a little bit. Yeah, um, I got that too. Yeah, and I was actually kind of really, uh, I was like happy that this ended the album in such a way. We've had this lately. All of us have had this effect of having our all the albums we've picked or listened to just have these ends that kind of just really leave you like, what? And this is not one of those moments. The, the mm -hmm. end is is done well it's exactly what it needs to be um you know eight eight out of ten we have a lot of like uh a solid solid album didn't blow me away um in a in some of the songs that it that i was hoping it would but definitely uh made me like man i need to have an album like this in my collection and kind of listen to it again and again yeah so uh um yeah i was actually very uh pleased and well done jt i'm glad you uh introduced this album so uh, I'm glad I could. And it's funny just to touch on some of the points you both of you made. Like um, I have listened to now, for those you don't know uh, who don't have XM when the Billy Joel channel returns to XM, whenever, when, whenever it would return, he would go, they would they play a snippet of him talking about a song uh, from an album. And they then realize, Hey, what if we do a sequential track by track of that, him talking about a song, then playing the song from the album, and then they would do the for a whole album on Sirius XM, which is pretty cool. And he talks nice. about this whole album from start to finish. That's how I, I know me listening to it. I'm like, oh my god! So, uh, the Great Wall of China is about like you know, oh, sorry, No Man's Land is in a rage. You know, he's he's having like he's having a lot of like as you both, you both touched on like the lyrics of it, like oh my god, you know, and. And like a rage, was, like when he was playing in Russia and he was like slamming. Oh, he slamming the <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Video. There is video of that online if you want to yeah. check that out. But um, yeah. no, but like the Great Wall of China is. He said it on record. He's like, that's about someone who screwed you over. It, um, wait, it's not about the Great Wall of China. Sadly, no. <laughs> like, like, like it, well, think about not it for a second. Li I feel lied to now. Oh my god! Knocking <laughs> a point from my rating. <laughs> oh no. No, no, but like if you think about it though, we could have gone all the way to the Great Wall of China had you had a little more faith in me. Mm. That's, I mean, that's the the chorus, and yeah, you, you could have had. We could have had a class. We could have. Had, he's kind of like you know dissing. For those you don't know, in like the late eighties, he was like in, into like nineteen ninety or ninety one. He was like really screwed over with like financial trouble, so he toured like crazy then, uh, just to raise cash, and then he yeah. put out ly lyrically. They touched on that a little bit. Then Blonde Over Blue, you're right. Roy Orbison very much influenced like Blonde Over Blue. I'm not going to, don't yeah. sue us. Like, and a minor variation to me was like, I know you guys gave your ratings for it. The reason why that one had like a little bit more like, when I heard it live, I was like, oh my God, I, like, I can't believe he's playing that live. But, mm. um, but one of the things he touched on was with, with a minor variation was 
like he, he you can kind of tell in the music like it's getting slower meaning like to me that to me as a listener i was like he's realizing he's no longer mad he's listening he might be pissed off but he's not like mad anymore he's not like you know he's not like you know f you or f this whatever and he's not uh, shades of gray is like the i see i don't just see black and white anymore i see shades of gray like that's kind of what i got from it mm-hmm. and that's the end of side one and then Side two is like all oh, that soul. He's got refining that faith again. That's that's why I said this is like like an arc album. I I, I wouldn't say it's a concept down though. I, I do agree with Kyle's point with that though. It's like, but I will say there's a, there is an arc to it though. If you listen from start to finish, you're like, all right, you're taking on a journey of like how, um, like how you can start off one way and then be feel like less stressed or or you might feel relieved. Truthfully, I mean, music can be therapeutic for some people, and I feel like it's a good one if people want to listen to it. Check it out. Just to interject here real quick, uh, A minor is probably what he was writing the song, A minor variation, like the whole idea of writing the song Mm -hmm. in A minor. Oh, oh, actually, no, you're right. Actually, yeah, it is in that key, by the way. Musicians, it's funny how they do that kind of stuff. It's just like uh, I love when, you know, they're clever about that. And also, um, you know, uh, you know, just kind of, Put that in there and then also uh the shades of gray thing it's kind of interesting when you're looking at the enemy line and you're seeing a shade of gray meaning like those people are just doing exactly what you're doing you should see them as black as in like the enemy but in reality they're just they're tired of war too they're just doing exactly what you're doing to exactly. survive and it's like instead of seeing things as like yeah so like i'm good and you're bad it's like um, we're all part of the same equation of like, yeah. And I, I, I just, yeah, l- lyrically, um, thematically, uh, just uh, well done and just so diverse of all the different things he's touching on his life plus um, his view of life. So, yeah. That's kind of- I mean, wow. Here here I was thinking that Shades of Grey was inspired by Fifty Shades of Grey. Exactly. <laughs> no, and, what an and- idiot, Billy Joel. Get a freaking clue. Oh, my idiot. God. Idiot. How could you? <laughs> no, no, but I, and actually who, who i forget which one of you touched on like the shades of gray like the bop bop out of whatever it was yeah there's a cream song with that exact same very or, or, excuse me very very similar to it mm. uh on their first or second i was like it's just a little different when he does mm. it though you know what i'm saying yep. there he kind of like He's like, remember the cream song? He said this on time. He's like, remember the cream song? And he played it. I'm like, oh, my God. He literally ripped off Eric Clapton. <laughs> yeah, he, it was different. And if you say anything, his lawyer will have your freaking ass. All right. Billy, <laughs> Billy I, I know where you live and you know where I live. So, okay. right. Exactly. But, uh, no, but I mean, and that was all just side one. Side two, of course. I feel like side two is much more of like the more in-depth stronger side of course that's just me though i mean that's my own interpretation but i i love this record to death i mean i can i could talk about it for a long time and it's just like he's he's one it really tr- shows how artists can create good art in general and and make it with just one person <laughs> if you're that good do it taylor swift does it with one other person come on it's not that high. it's not that hard guys <laughs> let's be real um, I, but I just wanted to touch on this too while, we, while we're all here. It came out August 10th, 1993. River Dream presented a more serious tone than found on Joel's um, found on Joel's previous albums dealing with the issues of trust and the long-lasting love. It was rumored that this is what I was talking about. It was rumored that the lyrical the lyrics from other songs on a minor variation, a minor variation and the Great Wall of China stem from Joel's legal disputes with his former manager. 
next brother-in-law, Frank Weber, which actually I think he said was true. Boo, Frank Weber, boo. Boo. He, he was <laughs> reportedly embezzled millions of dollars from Joel and used dubious accounts of practice to cover it up. That's what he was talking about with the Great Wall of China. Like he's got screwed over. Uh, and that was like the that was like in '89 before they made Stormfront with me to start the fire on it. But uh, but yeah, I just this was a an album that I thought you guys would actually get a really cool, interesting like just take. I mean, I know you guys neither. I figured because neither of you have listened to a Billy Joel record from start to finish. If you're gonna listen to one, you can always go to The Stranger, which has like only the good Die Young and Scenes from an Italian Restaurant and all the bigger, more well known stuff. I'm really glad that I was able to show you both an album of his that had a lot more depth to it and a lot more like uh, more uh, styles and different arrangements. And what I'm really glad I was able to show you guys this. I'm glad you, we were able to spin the wheel and it landed on this. Just like, nice. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but let's jump over. We've talked a lot about this out. Let's go to our rating. Shall we? Um, do you want me to go first or do you want, who wants to go first? Yeah. Take it away. Yeah. All right, cool. So I do have, I'm no one's gonna be able to see this, but I do have this on vinyl literally next to me. Uh, it is <laughs> you just disappear, <laughs> just green screen. I'm disappearing. You I'm became the album cover there for a little bit. I am the album cover 100. You are, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> it was really hard to find a 1993 vinyl of it, but I did get it um, on eBay. I'm not telling you how much I spent. That's besides the point, though. Um, but I, the, for me, the, the more I listened to it, the more I thought about it. And given that it is his last true last record he'll he'll ever probably ever put out, uh, to me it's a solid ten out of ten. There were there were some songs listening to it over and over on my turntable, making it spin, watching it go off and over. I was like, this is an I would almost say underrated to an extent, like not not by no like no stretches, it's super underrated. But I think some of the songs of his catalog get looked over on this record. Like it's exactly to Mike's point. It's like, you know, you can, you can have a best of album, like or greatest hits. So like, a, Oh, of like 30 or 40 years of an artist's career and have a greatest hits be put out like that. But if, if you listen to an album, you actually can experience the true deep cuts that are, that weren't hits that might actually knock your socks off. Like, like they both just said, no man's land stood at them. It was like, wow, I'm in for a treat, you know? And, if had I not told them, had I not put this on the wheel and had not listened to it, they were like, oh, well, what's no man's land? Is that a bar out in the middle of like Suffolk County, Long Island? What's going on here? You know, <laughs> you know it's like, seriously. Also, the answer is yes, probably. Yeah. And there probably is a bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is. yeah, as well. Yeah. That's, exactly, that's exactly. Yes, in all categories. 100%. But to me, it's like going back and listening to it over and over again, I was like, you know, this just reminds me how good of a lyricist he was. Mm. And, and also, now that he, he, he doesn't tour, I'm sorry, he doesn't put any, he still tours left and right, but he just will not put on any music. And he's, he's also shown that new songs by older artists don't really matter to an extent, unless, you know, they're, unless you make them a certain way, but new songs ultimately don't matter. If you go to, if you go to see an arena show of a classic artist, um, you want to hear the hits that you've been hearing for the past 30 years or 40 years or 50 years to some extent, you want to hear those hits. And he learned that and he's like, his choice of not making another album after this, I think has worked in his favor, truthfully. So that's, that's my little the question is if he uh released a new album you think he would not play those songs as much as he would the others or you think he'd be like oh i'm playing all my new songs (laughs) well i I, (laughs) honestly i've been asked that question before i just spoil that too but like i i because sidebar quick sidebar jt yes there is a no man's land bar in fort lauderdale florida no way (laughs) 
<laughs> How about them apples, kids? And you were like, like, index, the, you're the, saying? Jukebox, the jukebox doesn't have anything but that album on it. You can't only select that anything song. else. Yeah, only that song. <laughs> that one song. <laughs> yeah, and occasionally fine. piano man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Occasionally his signature song. Um, no, but this is I. I did, did, what was your question, Mike? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, uh, if you know, I, he knows his fans really want to hear his classic. I mean, especially yeah. with a massive discography, is uh, he has you know uh, the best songs, you know. But if he put out a new album today. Went on tour. You think he would be playing a lot of his new songs, or you think he'd be like, "Here's one song from that new album that's the hit, and I'm done playing." Though I'm going to play everything else everyone wants to hear. Um, I would say he if he it, uh, listen. This is a big if question, but if he did put out new music, my guess if my and people have said whether or not it'd be a hit, that's a totally different conversation. But I think there was so much praise and approval of him just you know making a huge comeback because he was retired in like two twenty. 2008 9 after his world tours he's like i'm done whatever then he started up again and he became made this huge comeback i think honestly i feel like he might play like if he were to write any new songs he'd probably play like three or four of those songs off the record because if you go back onto at least i don't know how accurate this is but setlist.com or whatever like i've looked up some of his setlist from like the river dreams tour and back then he was like playing like four or five, maybe six songs off the record in general. And some of the songs he's never even played live. Like, like, like I said, when I saw him in 20 February of 2018, he played a minor variation for the first time live ever. Wow. So it just shows you how some of his songs had never been played. I mean, for some, for some of them are really bad, but that's, that's the point. Like <laughs> some of the songs, like he is, as to my knowledge, he has never played um, at least in a, mo- no, I don't think he's ever played the song Rosalinda's eyes off 52nd Street 1978. I don't think he's ever played that. And that's 1978. So there's mm. certain songs he'll just never play, or he might live debut. I don't know. It all depends on what they want to do. Because his garden residency has been proven that he can do anything. But this, and he actually said on a podcast uh, with someone, he's like, I, I've been trying to introduce more songs off the river dreams into our set list. So that's that's been something too. But to, to answer to your question, I feel like he might play a little bit. Mm. So from a new record, if he were to write a new song, he's he's been composing music without any words for like fifth like twenty years though. He's been composing instrumental music for a while though. Yeah, I know that. So whatever, it's just they're not in song form. They're not. They have no words. They're just. It's just pure music. It's not like it's um, you know what I mean. It's not like it's a pure. It's not like it's a song. It's just music that's written out strictly for instrumental purposes, and he just mm. no doesn't want to publish it. So whatever, his prerogative is fine. Um, but yeah. Long certain that was a long one to answer. I honestly, I think that would come down to how commercially successful it was. To be honest, I agree. And this one, like, it, look at, let's yeah. look at uh, Green Day with "Father of All." Exactly. They oh, haven't well, played well. a singer a single song from that record since they mm-hmm. went back to touring. Given COVID did, you know, kind of mess things up, right? And postpone the tour by like a year or two. But still, that record came out in. 20 early 2020 february 7th and other than the initial mm-hmm. like back before things got shut down other than the initial like promotional tv performances of a couple of those tracks they haven't played a single song off of it yeah because oh, it did that, so that, bad that's and exactly you have yeah. the flip side of that look at panic at the disco mm. on their last tour where they 
played a album that was not received very well by the fans or critics in its entirety every night and cut out hit songs for it. So I think it all depends. Like if they came out and released an album that everyone loved and then they played that album front to back, I don't think people would care. So I think it all depends on commercial success of it and kind of, I think he would know at this point in his career, like what songs can I cut if I want to add more, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think at this point you go to see Billy Joel and he doesn't play like Piano Man or like Only the Good Die Young. You're going to leave disappointed. Oh, of course. There's some songs they have to play. There's some songs they don't play. Yeah, at this point, it would be songs from the senior center because he's getting definitely getting up there in age. So I, he's seventy three. He lost songs from the early bird special. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm not kidding. He actually he lost through COVID. He lost fifty pounds. Wow! Damn COVID. You know, he never. I don't know oh, I see you're saying that because like of he, COVID. He just naturally like he oh. wasn't home. And he was like, all right, I'm gonna just pay my band and do what I gotta do. I don't know. It's just it's 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 a very unique scenario where this is his last album, and this is back when like people were buying CDs and lining up to go and buy CDs and stuff like that. And now it's his last one, and it's 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 like a sad but sweet thing. And he you know he he's gone on record and said like even you you watch like late night talk shows with him, and they're like, oh my god, why don't you put out new music? And he's like, I thought I've had my say. And then I asked my aunt, who actually goes <clears throat> in the music industry, just want to put that out there. Hmm. Uh, my aunt actually works in the music industry. I'm not telling you what though. I'll tell you off camera. But she, I asked her, I said, you know, Billy Joel has not put, any, put out any new music since 1993. What's the deal? She's like, the artist has to want to do it. So I don't think he wants to. <clears throat> right. Well, no, I mean, even listen to the lyrics on Famous yeah. Last Words. I mean, he's, exactly. he's got nothing else to say. At some point, and I totally get it, at some point you do have nothing else to say. Like, yeah. I used to write music, and I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't <clears throat> been able to write lyrics in years now. It just it comes so away for the right? nights of nothing to release uh, uh so, so like we're gonna be re-recording songs but with yes. uh, better vocals yeah but, man i'm gonna be in the so, front uh, i'm gonna be hammered under a different name <laughs> mike's gonna yeah. go drunk <laughs> i'm gonna be there i'm gonna be like nights of nothing yeah you're gonna yeah. show up at the theater be like oh be hey, hey kyle what's going on yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. no but this is just uh, i i've 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 gone on way too long forgive me but that's also, my, really quick, I, I do just want to, JT, you mentioned this very briefly. And I just want to give props to him for being excellent to his band uh, during yes. COVID. They couldn't do anything. The man just paid them. Yeah. Oh, wow. Just, Whole band. Yeah, there's something so respectful, like respectable and honorable about that. Yeah. Where it's not like, well, I have all this money. You guys depend on touring and I can't do it. I'll pay you anyway. Great. What a guy. Seriously. Yeah, he's always been a respectful, you know, whether it be paying for the, uh, you know, I'm going to give out the front row tickets to people who can't afford it. And, uh, you know, like Mm -hmm. not let these kind of rich kind of entitled fans, you know, uh, gobble them up and and push everyone out of the way. He's always had a heart of uh, gold, you know, and and, uh, clearly being embezzled and not entrusting too much and people who don't have your best of interests has kind of been, you know, it's kind of kind of been a, a downfall for him in that sense of like learning who you can trust and you know that he can go forward and in the pandemic still be able to pay people the money that they need to get by and not be like in that like i'm i'm 
jaded from my previous experiences with letting letting uh, feeling like people are getting advantage and taking advantage of me that he could still have that mentality he really is a unique one-of-a-kind uh um artist who truly embraces the art over the the, the money you know yeah. and it's just rare you know and I, I have seen him four times at the garden over the course of like 2016, 18, just yeah. recently on, on Valentine's Day in February of this year. Um, he, and he does, it's become a, just really quick, his artist, his artist, his artist in residency there has become really like, he'll change, the set list changes a lot. I mean, for a couple of months, it doesn't change, but like for the most part, he'll bring out guests too. And if you, if you guys ever, if you guys want to go see a concert together, we can go see Billy Joel and we could hear the river of dreams live and all that crap, you know, <laughs> maybe you I'm, just, I, I'm throwing it out there. I don't know. Kyle's, Kyle's favorite. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh God. Exactly. No, no I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But, the, my, but yeah, my, my long, long story, long winded answer, 10 out of 10. It really holds up for me over 30 years now. And it, it's still sound, it not even remastered too. If you go on Spotify, none of his songs are remastered. So wow. it's just, he just doesn't care, I guess. Yeah. Reimagine, which is very fast, it's a very unique scenario, but it's very mm. it still sells tickets. So it's, yeah. for, for me, it's a 10 out of 10. Let's go over to Kyle. What do you got today? So for me, again, those the album in the beginning is not as cohesive as I'd like it to be. I you know, I appreciate what he's doing in that, you know, I, I'm not this like Mike said, I'm not this like one trick pony i can do all this you can't put me in a box and and i appreciate that and for the most part in his throughout his career he's done all that very well for the most part you know there's some ups and downs in there uh and i feel like just that you start off on this high of the record you come in with no man's land so good and then great wall of china is still very good not quite that high but then it immediately drops off in the third and fourth track and then it picks up again so for me, that kind of throws it off a bit. I think it would be a higher rating without those two songs for sure. Uh, but the rest of the album after that is really solid to absolutely incredible tracks. Uh, so for me, it lands at about a 7.75. Right. If those other two tracks weren't on there, and I, I've never been a proponent of eight song albums, but I think this album would be long enough still like it wouldn't feel too short if you got rid of blonde over blue and minor variation if you got rid of those two this album could have easily been maybe in the nine category for me um it's and it would still be long enough the album would still be about 40 minutes without those two tracks um but yeah 7.75 lyrically it's outstanding production wise it's great um yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. Very impressed by it. Awesome. Glad you're impressed. And Mike, what do you got? <laughs> Kyle's the villain. And this is funny. <laughs> He's the villain. Oh, Mike. Because I had the rating at 7.71, right? Okay, that's crazy <laughs> that yours is 7.75. That's like literally, I was like, and I was going to say 7.7, straight across the board. 7.7 uh, was how I felt. But then, like I told you, I award an after point to the album for what it does um as an album like that it hits on all these different notes that it has this overall theme this message these lyrical kind of uh you know just painting a picture the album cover all these things equate to bonus points for me as an album if we were rating just the individual songs by themselves 
and then adding that ranking up, you know, sure, it would, I would have the, uh, the same kind of almost the same ranking as you 7.7. But uh, because of all those different themes that just kind of came together and made this as an album that really had a message and being that final album, I had to bring it up to an eight. I had to say eight is where I sit. And, uh, you know, it's a solid, uh, not a blow you out of the water, but also just like um, through time, it, it just kind of uh, continues to hold its relevancy and its uh, the different influences that other artists have clearly borrowed from it, showing how uh, influential it could be. And the fact that it's, I mean, influential qualities to it that really I can hear today in the artist uh, in, you know, many different categories. Yeah, I had to go with an eight. Out of 10, Mr. Kyle is the villain. We need to have the villain like do something at the end of the video. Like, well, you know, uh, I, I actually completely agree with you. Yeah. In terms of if I were to give it, I don't, that's where we differ. I don't award or take away points for things like that. Sure, sure, but sure. if I did, I would completely agree with you. I agree. Yeah. Me and you are very on par. Yeah. This is crazy. Record, and it's really weird. Yeah. yeah. I need to like, I don't know, like, uh, just try to cleanse my mind because I, Kyle's, Kyle's, uh, you know, thoughts are getting in there. I need to uh, go and I don't know, just like start burning like Green Day posters or something. And I was like, <laughs> the spirit, the spirits come out of, you know, I don't know. But uh, yeah, like I, um, no, yeah, we're definitely it's crazy, man. But we were like on on the same page, man. That's that's nuts. That is crazy. How the two of them are just legitimately on the same pretty much on the same page give or take yeah. a point or two that's sure. ridiculous mm-hmm. um but ultimately it's what you guys have to say out there thanks so much for watching listening however you enjoyed us tonight uh, i want to complete another shout out to this guy down below me here uh we do it live over zoom this guy kyle the q and a podcast mm-hmm. check them out yeah. they're on all platforms right all platforms, Spotify, Apple, whatever else there is, we're on pretty much all of it. Pandora. Also sponsored by Polar. Polar, uh, is Polar. I uh, wish. And... I... <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. Polar, we're not a sponsor. I will gladly take the sponsor. Yes. Thanks so much to uh, Diet uh, Sprite or whatever you call it. <laughs> whatever. Um, we want to thank you all for watching, listening, however you enjoy us. Very interesting. Um, I'm surprised these two guys were in. I, I I'm I'm not gonna, I knew Mike was gonna like enjoy it a little bit. I didn't know you enjoyed it that much, but I was, I was surprised that both of you like were on the same page practically. I'm like, what? That's crazy. So, <laughs> um, but thanks so much for watching, listening. However, you enjoyed us. Um, I want to thank the two gentlemen for doing this every week. Of course, Kyle and Mike, you guys are great, and I uh, will see you guys next week. So stay safe, take care, and rock on.